you're not going out to kids' church today. I asked if you could please stay in with us. Just, yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. And I'm going to need some light so I can read my Bible. Otherwise, I'm going to have to borrow Stuart's again. How are you all? It was really interesting when we were just singing that, um, the one before that. Um, I was saying about, as I walk from earth into eternity. And I just found out on my way in this morning um, that one of my cousins passed away, really unexpectedly this morning and she's younger than I am and it made me realize just never know do we just we just never know when our time we're walking we are we are we are on the journey and we don't know when we're actually going to step into eternity which will be a great place to be beautiful beautiful place to be but I wonder if we'd live today a little bit differently if we thought we're going to step into eternity imminently just thought okay so kids you're staying with us you've got activity books which are coming around and some colored pencils and all that kind of stuff because are you all listening because you need to know what's going to happen I want you to listen to the story that I'm about to tell and it's a story straight out of the Bible I'm going to have to summarize it for you I can read I can read it for you the whole story for you if you want to at home but it's like five chapters long and we might run out of time so I'm going to summarize it for you this morning but the story is about the ten plagues of Egypt and for those of you who of us who have heard this story probably multiple, multiple times. I'm going to go through the story first so the kids catch up with us and those of us that this might be new to know what we're talking about. And then I'm going to talk about why. So I'm going to actually talk about the 10 plagues and then afterwards I'm going to talk about some of the reasons um, why, why the 10 plagues. So don't turn off. So, so kids, you've got a page there that's drawn up and you've got 10 spaces. So I want you to listen to the story and you can either write the word or draw a picture of each of the 10 plagues because after I've talked about the 10 plagues, I'm going to ask you how many of the plagues you can remember and we're going to see how good we can be at remembering all 10 plagues, okay? And there might be a surprise at the end of it for you, okay? So we're going to see how many of the 10 plagues you can remember. Okay, so... I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and I thank you. I thank you that it is truth and it is life-giving. And it might seem strange to be saying how could the ten plagues be life-giving. But Father God, I pray that you will reveal to each and every one of our hearts this morning what it is that you want to speak to us this morning through this very well-known Bible story. So Father, have your way. Holy Spirit, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so one of the great showdowns in the Bible, there's a couple of really, really good showdowns, actually several, many in, in the Bible, but this showdown is between God and the stubborn pride of humanity. Right there, and you know what, we can have a go at the Israelites, and we always do, but let's just look at ourselves, right? How stubborn, and, and like, how stubborn are you to think that you can out-stubborn God, right? Really, I mean, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I think that's just a bit laughable. But anyway, so it's a big showdown between God and the stubborn pride of humanity. Now, the Israelites have been enslaved, so that means they were slaves, not because of their fault, but because someone was mean, um, in Egypt for 400 years. And so they had begun to lose faith 
in their God, in the God of their ancestors. They knew he existed. They still acknowledged him and kind of worshipped him, but they really doubt, were beginning to doubt whether he could and would have the power and intervene in their circumstances. And I made me stop and think how similar that is to many of us. And when I say us, and, you know, it could be here, but you know, generally speaking in our society, there is an acknowledgement of God. Most people acknowledge that God exists or you know, have some mental you know, assent to that. But how many people, even Christians, how many people are still doubting God's ability and desire, even if they don't doubt his ability, they may doubt his desire to actually act in our circumstances right here, right now. And that's where we pick up the story with the Israelites. They still acknowledged God. They knew of God. They'd been taught about God but they were beginning to doubt that he actually had the power and the will to do anything about this situation. So the story actually opens. So I'm going to encourage you to read the whole story. The whole story of the 10 plagues of Egypt is found in Exodus from chapter 7 right through to chapter 12. Right? It's only five chapters. Who, who likes reading? We've got readers here. Mum likes reading. You know, how many chapters in a book? That, I mean, lots, right? And you don't, you, you still read that. Why we hesitate? We go, oh my goodness, five chapters of the Bible? Like, yeah, that's a really thin book if you're a reader, right? So anyway, five chapters. But we're not going to read them all today. I'm going to summarise it. But the story actually opens in chapter 3, I believe. Exodus chapter 3, where Moses encounters God at the burning bush, right? Because this is what God uh, says to Moses. He said, then the Lord said to him, you can be sure I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. So he's saying, I see it. I see it. I know it. I am aware, right? I have heard their cries for deliverance from their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come to rescue them from the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own good and spirit spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, and you would hear that as Moses and you would go, oh, thank you, God. That is so fantastic. You've seen their plight. You've heard their cries and you are going to answer them. But then God says, and guess who's going to do it? Tag, you're it. Right? And how many times do we, and this is not even today's sermon, but it's probably going to be another one. And it just reminds me, especially like you know, how we took up that offering for Destiny Rescue at Christmas time, you know, when God says, I see their suffering, I hear their cries, and I'm going to rescue them. We say, Thank you, God. Guess who's doing it? You are. <laughs> and Moses goes, No, please, someone else. Someone. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So then Moses, we fast forward now a couple of chapters, and here he is with Aaron who is going to be his spokesperson because Moses was arguing with God and said, I can't possibly do it by myself. And God said, all right then, I'll send Moses, um, Aaron with you. So they go in and he's got his sh uh, shepherd's crook, like a big stick. 
And God has told him, this is what we will use to show that you have my power and authority. So Moses goes in with Aaron and he says to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I have come from the Lord, the Lord God, the God of the Hebrew people. And, uh, and God says, let my people go. God is telling you to let his people go. And Pharaoh's gone, yeah? And so, in what authority do you come? So he throws down his stick and it turns into a snake. That's pretty cool. And then Pharaoh's magicians did exactly the same thing. They threw down their rods and they turned into snakes too, as if to say, you know, just they're thumbing their nose at God. So what? We can do that too. And how many times does that happen these days? But guess what? Moses' snake ate the other two snakes. So he's still saying, you know what? The enemy can mimic my power to a certain extent, but I am still more powerful. And so I don't know how the magicians felt when their snakes then got eaten up. And so then, of course, Moses reaches down, picks up the snake and turns into a rod again. So God is saying, Pharaoh, these people are here with my authority and they have come with a message from me. And God is trying to reach. So this is where we're at. So then he said, okay, you know, um, I'm going to send a plague. If you don't listen to me, so now we're just going to read a whole heap because I'm going to summarise it for you. But no one tells the story quite like God, so I'm going to read out of his word. Is that a good idea? So the first plague was a river of blood. Yeah, he turned the river into blood. And we're picking it up at um, chapter 7, Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 to 18. Then the Lord said to Moses... Pharaoh is very stubborn and he continues to refuse to let my people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river. In other words, he's going down to have a bath. Go and get him then. Stand on the riverbank and meet him there. Be sure to take along the shepherd's staff that turned into a snake and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now, you have refused to listen to him. Now the Lord says, you are going to find out that I am the Lord. So like he's given him a warning and now he's saying, okay, you're, you're stubborn. You're actually going to find out that I'm God. I'm going to have to use some of my power to show you because you're not listening to me, right? So now you will find out that I am the Lord. Look, I will hit the water of the Nile with this staff and the river will turn to blood. The fish in it will die. And the river will stink. Because we just, we don't read that bit. We just go, and he turned the water to blood. And I don't know how we sanitise that, but we managed to. So all the fish are going to die. What happens, what do fish smell like when they die? Right? And, what, and, and blood stinks too. Sorry, kids, it just really does. And, and so that this, this is putrid. This is really putrid, right? So I want you not only to hear the words, but actually imagine what it would have been like. Right? Uh, and the, the, the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. So this happened. But guess what? The magicians said, well, we're going to have a go at that. And the magicians actually turned water to blood as well. So, of course, Pharaoh hardened his heart and still would not let the Israelite go. So then God says, okay. So chapter 8, verse 1. Then the Lord's... Okay, I'm going to start at... Chapter 7, verse 25. An entire week passed from the time the Lord turned the water of the Nile to blood. A week. 
Like it didn't just happen and then he quickly cleaned it up again. Like a week we had dead fish and stinking. And, and so the people actually had to dig for water elsewhere because they couldn't get water from the Nile, right? Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh once again and tell him this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, then listen carefully to this. I will send vast hordes of frogs across your entire land from one border to the other. The Nile River will swarm with them. So what's the second one, kids? Frogs. Very good. They will come up out of the river and into your houses, even into your bedrooms and onto your beds. See, a whole lot of detail here we don't get to. Can you imagine? Like, like... I mean, I know Christmas night, you know, when there was a bat flying around in my house, and I go, eh, there was only one. Imagine having frogs jumping up in, uh, yuck. Anyway, that, if that's not bad enough, e every home in Egypt will be filled with them. They will fill even your ovens and your kneading bowls. In other words, we're cooking dinner and we open the oven and guess there's a whole heap of frogs. We get the bowls out to mix up our spaghetti bolognese. Guess what? Whole lot of frogs. There are frogs everywhere, right? So you and your people will be overwhelmed with frogs. So then Pharaoh said, please ask God to stop the frogs and I will let your people go. Great. Verse 13. So Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh and Moses pleaded with the Lord about the frogs he had sent. And the Lord did as Moses had promised. The frogs in the houses, the courtyards and the fields all died. They were piled into great heaps and a terrible stench filled the land. But when Pharaoh saw that the frogs were gone, guess what he did? He hardened his heart. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had predicted. So we've had the place putrid at least twice and he said, please, okay, please just ask God to get rid of the frogs and I'll let them go. Okay, cool. Dead frogs instead of live ones. I'm not sure which would have been better. And, uh, and then he says, oh, no, change my mind. No, you're not going. Okay, time for a third plague. Uh, Exodus 8, 16 to 19. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron to strike the dust with his staff and the dust will turn into swarms of gnats. Another word, or lice. So you can say lice, Right? throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Suddenly gnats or lice, whatever you want, we'll call them lice, right? Infested the entire land, covering the Egyptians and their animals. Has anyone ever had lice? Don't put your hands up. They make you very itchy. All the dust of the land of Egypt turned into lice. Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts and their magic, but this time they failed. And the gnats covered all all the covered, all the people and all the animals, right? And listen to this. This is what the magician said. This is the finger of God. The magicians exclaimed to Pharaoh. So when his own magicians are saying, okay, because they, they, they were the top, they were the sorcerers, they were the clever people, and they're going, this is God. I'm telling you, Pharaoh, we are your advisors and we are telling you this is the hand of God. Oh, I didn't even know where, where I'm up to here. Where am I up to? Lysor, Nats, uh, 8, 16 to 19. Thank you. 
Right, here we are. Yep. Um, and he, so this is the hand of God, but Pharaoh's heart remained hard and stubborn and he wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had predicted. So time for the fourth plague. And next the Lord told Moses, get up early in the morning and meet Pharaoh as he goes down to the river and say to him, this is what the Lord says. It's getting a little repetitive, isn't it? Let my people go so that they can worship me. If you refuse, I will send swarms of flies throughout Egypt. Your homes will be filled with them and the ground will be covered with them. So what's the next one? Swarms of flies, right? So finally Pharaoh said, go. Go, worship your God. But then after the flies were gone, guess what he did? Hardened his heart, changed his mind. So as soon as you know, so while the, the, the calamity is striking, while the flies and the frogs and the lice and the blood, and he's going, okay, go, go, go. And as soon as God gets rid of it, no, nope, changed my mind. What a stubborn person. Okay, so next, um, I'm up to nine, one to four. So the next one is diseased livestock. So God saying, go back to Pharaoh. Mind you, this apparently happened over about a year. A year of all these dreadful, dreadful plagues. God says to Moses, go back to Pharaoh. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. So every time he adds a little bit more language to it. If you notice that, it's getting a little bit more emphatic. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you continue to oppress them and refuse to let them go, the Lord will send a deadly plague to destroy all your horses and donkeys and camels and cattle and sheep. But the Lord will again make a distinction, again make a distinction between the property of the Israelites and that of the Egyptians. Not a single one of the Egyptians' livestock will die. So it's reminding us that each of these plagues did not touch the children of God. The Egyptians, yes. The children of God who lived just outside in Goshen, no, they did not get touched by these. So the next one is diseased livestock, right? And guess what? Pharaoh hardened his heart and still refused to let the people go. Chapter 9, verses 8 to 12. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take the soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the sky while Pharaoh watches. And it will spread like fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, causing boils to break out on all the people and the animals alike. So they gathered soot from the furnace and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and as Pharaoh watched, Moses tossed the soot into the air, and terrible boils broke out on all the people and all the animals throughout Egypt. Even the magicians were unable to stand before Moses because of the boils had broken out on them as well. But the Lord made Pharaoh even more stubborn, and he refused to listen just as the Lord had predicted. Next plague. So what was that plague? Boils. Kids, you're paying attention? Because if, if, you, if you can tell me what these plagues are, there's a special surprise. Okay, so tomorrow at this time, so they've gone, they've gone to, 
check this out. God gives them such a warning. So Moses has gone to Pharaoh again and he says, Tomorrow at this time I will send a hailstorm, worse than any in all of Egypt's history. Quick. See, here's the warning. God says, quick, order your livestock and your servants to come in from the fields. Okay? But, I mean, from the fields... Every person or animal left outside will die beneath the hail. So he's given them a warning. The hail is coming. Get your servants and all your animals inside, out of the hail. Some of Pharaoh's officials believed what the Lord said, and they immediately bought their livestock. So they're beginning to believe God now, right? Immediately bring their livestock and their servants in from the fields, but those who had no respect for the word of the Lord left them out in the open. Right? So that was hail, was the next one. God gave them a warning. Finally, Pharaoh said, I have sinned. I've done wrong. You know, and he actually said, you can go. But then in verse 33 and 35, make sure I've got the right chapter, 9, 33 and 35. So Moses left Pharaoh and went out to the city. As he lifted his hands to the Lord, all at once the thunder and hail stopped and the downpour ceased. You go, oh, thank you, Father. No, sorry. When Pharaoh saw this, he and his officials sinned yet again and stubbornly refused to do as they had promised. So we come to the eighth plague. Exodus chapter 10, verses 3 to 7. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says, how long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, watch out. For tomorrow I will cover the whole country with locusts. There will be so many that you won't be able to see the ground. They will devour everything that escaped the hailstorm. So everything's been destroyed by hail, and if there's anything left over, the locusts are going to finish it off. They will overrun your palaces and the homes of your officials and all the houses in Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt has there been a plague like this one. And with that, Moses turned and walked out. The court officials now came to Pharaoh and appealed to him. How long will you let these disasters go on? Please let the Israelites go and serve the Lord their God. Don't you realise that Egypt lies in ruin? So then, of course, Pharaoh, verse 20, didn't underline that one. Anyway, he hardened his heart. You can read it in verse 20. So we come to the ninth, um, the ninth plague, and that is darkness. Verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, lift up your hand toward heaven and a deep and terrifying darkness. This is not twilight. This is a deep and terrifying darkness will descend on the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his hand toward heaven and there was a deep darkness over the entire land for three Days For three days the sun did not shine. During all that time the people scarcely moved for they could not see. But there was light, as usual, where the people of Israel lived. So then we skip to chapter 11. And once again, Pharaoh hardened his heart and refused to let God's people go. Okay. 
And this time he went one step further and he actually threatened Moses. He basically said, if you do this, I won't see your face again. And Moses said, yeah, you're right there. <laughs> kind of, yeah, anyway, so he, he actually threatened Moses, but it wasn't um, his place to do the threatening at this stage. So final plague, chapter 11, verses 4 to 5. So Moses announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says about midnight, I will pass through Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt. From the oldest son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the oldest son of his lowliest slave, even the firstborn of all the animals will die. In verse 10, although Moses and Aaron did these miracles in Pharaoh's presence, the Lord hardened his heart so he wouldn't let the Israelites leave the country. So the final plague was death of the firstborn. So we're going to pause there for a moment. And kids, who can tell me some of those plagues? There's 10 of them. Yes, Holly. Um, the blood. Blood. Frogs. Frogs. Flies. Flies. Lice. Lice. Livestock. Disease livestock, yes. Yeah, um, That's five. Hail. Hail. Yep. You're doing pretty well. You've remembered seven of them. Who else can list the ten? All ten of them? Zoe. Ah, you can't look at your page. Sorry? Blood? She's looking. You're doing well. You're doing well. Disease, livestock. Yeah. Death of the first one. Hail. Good. You're doing well. She got to seven as well. Can you fill some in? Blood. You're right. It's hard to remember them all. Hail. Very good. Very good. Indy will know them all. Those in high school can, can wait this out for later. Can you do it all? You're in high school. Blood, flies, gnats, frogs. Locusts, oh good. Hail. Hail. Darkness. Darkness. Are yeah, getting there? Boils. Boils. Well done, he did it. Okay, I think it's really hard to remember them all. So I was thinking, oh, have I got anything that might help us to remember all of these things? Oh, look at this. That'll do. Does that look a bit like... You're not going to want to eat it now. Rivers of blood, you reckon, kids? That will remind us. It's not really rivers of blood, it's yummy lollies. But okay, so we've got rivers of blood. What was the next one? Frogs. Oh, look at that. Oh, I just so happen to have a whole... Here we go. So we've got rivers of blood. What was it? Frogs then? Lice. Perfect. How about some lice? There we go. What else have we got? Flies, 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 flies. No, it doesn't look like flies. No, they're too big for flies. No. Oh, here we go. Chocolate-coated sultanas. They'll do for flies, won't they? Good. Okay, chocolate-coated sultanas, flies. What else have we got? Dead animals. Dead animals. We got any dead animals under here? Dead animals. There we go. Percy pigs. 
Sorry. There we go. Diseased livestock. It was, sorry. I must admit, we kind of, in case you couldn't guess, went shopping for this. And our mum and I were at the lolly shop. And this fellow saw me coming out with a bag full of lollies. And he said, you've been a good girl, something like that. And, I, and I, so I told him, I said, well, actually, what I've got is rivers of blood and diseased livestock. And then I messaged Sue Ellen and said, so have you, and she said, no, I've got the boils. I said, fantastic. <laughs> it was just really revolting. Okay, so diseased livestock. What do we got next? Boils. The peaking of boils. This is the most disgusting one of all. There we go. Whole big jar of boils. How about that? If your kids even want to eat these... Locusts, locusts, locusts. Oh, what was next? Hail, hail, hail. Here we go, hailstones. Oh, some really good hailstones there. Yep, what was next? Locusts, locust, locust, locust. Here we go, locusts. Clinkers, clinkers are now locusts and the reason for that is because Daniel said when they go splat on your windscreen they go all different colours just like clinkers are on the inside. So they're locusts. Sorry? Darkness. Darkness. Oh, you got it. How about a big jar of licorice? Beauty. Darkness. Death of the firstborn jelly babies. Right. Death of the firstborn jelly babies. How about that? So without looking at your notes, what have we got? Rivers of blood. Very good. Very good. You're doing well. There you go. So we just so happen, kids, at the end of the sermon, if you can come and tell me the ten plagues, you'll be able to take home a ten plagues lolly bag. Straight from church to your home. <laughs> How about that? Mum, I bought some plagues home. Yeah, anyway. Um, oh, there might be enough for everyone. We have to be under, under 85 years of age. I think that covers us all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You've got to be able to tell the plagues. And as you name the plagues, we'll pop them in your lolly bag and you can take your, your 10 plagues lolly bags home. <laughs> Anyway, the bloke at the lolly shop thought I was sick. He said, oh, you're sick. <laughs> you sorry? So the guy at Moorhoods, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, they're playing. Anyway, so why? This is why I, I ask, why all the plagues? Why? Was God just being mean? And I sort of think, I'm going to answer the question, but you can tell me after what you think. Was God just being mean? And actually, no. To the contrary, he was showing great mercy. You see, God could have just wiped the Egyptians out. He did it to Sodom and Gomorrah. He could have just wiped them out. He could have just killed Pharaoh, but he gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Chance after chance, second, third, fourth, like 10 chances. And he said, let my people go, right? So God was actually not being mean. He was being incredibly merciful. He even said, look, this worst storm is coming. Get your animals and your, your servants in. You know, like, you know, I'm going to do this. Like, you know, please, let, if you let the kids go, this is not going to happen. And this, and this, and this, all the way up to here, right? He was being merciful. So the first thing, why? 
God was showing his mercy. Secondly, God was keeping his promise. Remember way back when he made a promise to Abraham and he said, I will make you a great nation. Incidentally, the reason the Egyptians uh, turned the Israelites into slaves was because they had become so numerous, such a great nation, that the Egyptians were threatened by them. Because God had kept his promise to Abraham and turned them into a great nation. But God further said to Abraham, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. The Egyptians had enslaved them. Is that treating them with contempt? So God was keeping his promise. But he did it in a manner that gave them so many opportunities to repent. And he just had to keep upping the ante until they would actually pay attention to him. That could be a warning to us. You know, don't try and outdo God in stubbornness. So the first one, God was showing his mercy. Secondly, he was keeping his promise to Abraham. Thirdly, he was showing his power, right? That he was God, he is God, and nothing is more powerful than him. And you will obey me, right? See, so the, the Egyptians were a polytheistic society. Poly meaning many, theos meaning gods. They had many gods. This is really, really, really interesting. Some of their gods, multiple gods, some of them had frogs' heads. There was this particular god. I didn't write their names down, but you can look it up and I can send it to you if you want. That actually, this god was fashioned with the head of a frog, right? There was another god that actually was the god of the Nile, right? And God's kind of gone a bit trumps on that one. Trump's on that one. There was a, a god um, of the, um, the desert, of the desert storms, right? And God caused that to turn into lice and gnats. Let me just read some of their other gods. There was a goddess um, with the power over disease, right? Sort of trumped that one. There was a goddess um, with the power over pestilence. There's a goddess of the sky, and we had three days where the sun did not shine. They, they did serve the God, a god of the sun. There was a god of reproduction. There was a god that protected children. There was, they just had all these different gods and every single god that they worshipped, little g, not the one true living, creating god, and every single one. There, there was a god you know, that oversees all the, the, the weather and there, there were all these gods that they worshipped. And interestingly... All these different plagues were kind of was showing them, I am the only one true, all-powerful God. There is no God greater than me. Interestingly, when God then called the children, rescued them all, we've gone through the Red Sea, you know, and now they're out in the wilderness on their way to the Promised Land, the very first commandment he gave them, you will worship no one other than me. And this is exactly what God was showing both the Egyptians and Pharaoh and the Israelites. Because remember, the Israelites were thinking, yeah, yeah, we've heard about God, but we're not sure that he's all that powerful anymore. And so God has shown them, you will not worship any other God other than me. He is the only one that is worthy to be our object of worship. And God further... Um, points to this in Exodus 12, 12, where he says, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. 
So he actually did say, I'm judging all those gods. I'm the Lord. I am the God over all. So his power over all the gods, over all of creation, and his protection over all of his people because they didn't suffer all of the plagues. They didn't get the hail and the boils and the pestilence and the darkness, and they didn't. And surely, considering Egypt is representative of the world, surely the world is looking on and going, hang on, this is happening to us. We serve all these gods. They serve that one God. Like, we've got lots of gods. We're better than them. But hang on, they only serve one God, and we've got all this going on, and they've got nothing. They've, they're safe. They're protected. Their God protects them. Their God looks after them. And fourthly, why did God, because we read there a number of times how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. At first, Pharaoh just had a hard heart himself and he was stubborn. But then it reads a number of times where God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And, you know, you'd like to gloss over that because we don't like to think about God doing anything, you know, not nice because God's nice, right? But God set the children free, Pharaoh didn't. See, if God hadn't hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh set them free, we'd run the risk of the children of Israel now worshipping Pharaoh because he set us free. No, God set them free. So because already when they were in the wilderness, they started grumbling, saying, oh, we, we are, we're, we're sick of this manna that's falling out of the sky or this nutritious food that we don't have to work for. We're a bit bored. We would have been better off back in Egypt. You know, so imagine if Pharaoh had set them free, not God. We'd run the risk of them running back to Egypt and worshipping Pharaoh because Pharaoh himself thought he was a god. So we read Exodus 6. We go back a little bit. Exodus 6, verses 5 through to 8. 5, 5, 5. Someone turn the sun down. 5. This is God speaking to Moses. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people in Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. Remember, this is where we started the sermon. I have remembered my covenant. So I've remembered my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will free you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with mighty power and great acts of judgment. I will make you my special people and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord your God who has rescued you from slavery in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It will be your very own property for I am the Lord. That's why he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that the children of Israel would see that God and God alone is the Lord God and the only one to worship. Remember then ongoingly in the Old Testament, God always said, for I am the Lord your God who rescued you out of Egypt. He always reminded them what he did for them to rescue them out of Egypt. So fifthly, Pharaoh sacrificed his firstborn son for his own selfish, stubborn pride. God gave him plenty of warning and he was so stubborn and so prideful that he lost his only, not his only, he lost his firstborn son. So get this, Pharaoh 
sacrificed his son for his own stubborn selfish pride. God sacrificed his one and only son for our stubborn pride. And then, of course, raised him again. So conclusion, why the ten plagues? So that God could show his mercy and his power and to keep his promise. So that his people would worship him fully and only. Because he and he alone is worthy of our worship. Amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, that you show, you show such mercy and compassion. You know, they, could, they didn't have to endure any of that. And you gave us time and time and time again opportunity to say, I'm wrong. Father, you know, get for Pharaoh to say, I'm wrong, forgive me, and I will worship you only. And I will allow others to worship you. And still today, how many chances you give each and every one of us? And yet you continue to give us chance after chance after chance to say, God, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Please help me live the way you want me to live. I will worship you and you alone, not, not all these other things. You said, have no other gods before me. And then when you were asked, Jesus, you know, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength and Love your neighbour as yourself. You want us to love you and to love each other. So, Father, I thank you so much. And I pray that you will help us all to remember your great mercy when we eat these lollies and are reminded of your power and your might over all gods, over all other gods that we could worship. Father, you are supreme. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good timing. Okay, kids, should we sing one more song?